It's February 1st, 2020, and this is part two for this day of It Started in Hendricksville, stories by Jerry Abram. So, Aunt Virginia, we're here again, uh, just uh, a few minutes after we ended the previous podcast, so we're just going to keep going here since we've got some good stuff to talk about. Um, so, one of the um, stories that uh, you were we were just kind of getting into is things about your grandma, Uni, um, and so you've got a little bit of stuff about her young life and uh, some challenges she had and also a little bit about uh, her father and stuff. So go ahead and share that with us. Well, um, I believe to the best of my memory that there were four children in the family and uh, they had a, a small home. Her dad, his name, I know his name, I'll never forget it. His name was John Botter, B-O-T-T-E-R, Burks. And um, I was always taught, and I'm, I think this is correct, that he was one half or, or one quarter Cherokee Indian. And he was an alcoholic and had a history of drinking and then becoming just mean. Uh, and uh, he did this quite often. Now, do you know, did they live in the Hendricksville area? Uh, yeah, but not not down in the little where the other houses were. Mm-hmm. They were back on one of the side roads. But okay, I would it would still be I guess considered the Hendricksville area. And so he had some Indian um, blood. And then, do you know anything about his wife? Was she? You don't. I do not. I I don't ever recall. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. so you just know stories from your grandma Uni that he was an alcoholic. Um, this would have been, so you were born in 26. Do you know how much older she was? I have no idea, but she was just a little girl when this happened. I mean, I'm thinking if we just use 20 years as a rough estimate. So if you were 26, your parents were at least 20 years older than you. So that they would have been born right around. Do you know when your grandma, when your mom and dad were born, roughly? Uh, Daddy was born in... Uh, Oh seven. Oh five. Oh five. Oh five. Okay. And mommy in oh nine. Yes. Okay. All right. So your mom and dad were born in oh five and oh nine, and so we're talking about your dad's mother. So she was probably born at least twenty years before that. Yeah. Who knows? Probably. So we're talking kind of eighteen eighties, something like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it, because I think. When I think about that far back, I don't even have a good sense for what alcohol, um, you know, how readily available alcohol was. But apparently he was able to get it. Yes. And it was a problem. So, so yeah. So, go ahead and tell us some more about uh, her interaction with him. So. Well, um, he came in home. He'd been out somewhere drinking, of course. And the mother and the children were in bed. He came in and um, was in a bad mood, as he often was if he was drinking, and just kicked this little stove. It was a fairly small stove. Turned it over in the floor and poured out the hot coals. And, of course, the house caught on fire because there was no fire department, nothing more than one bucket of water in the kitchen. And so it burned. And But they got the family out. And so the mother said at that point, she said, I, I'm. This is it. I will never 
put up with him again. Oh, uh, really? And, and because she said, and I cannot keep and and be able to feed and do for four children, but I'll get help from my family or neighbors or whoever. And so uh, I know of two people that took children. The mother kept the smallest, youngest one, but my grandmother was taken by, and she was really lucky to get to do this, a family. It was called Oliver McKaylee and his wife, Oliver and Sally, and they had one daughter. And Oliver McKaylee was known as the, probably the uh, best educated and the most knowledgeable man in the whole area. And And that's still in the Hendricksville area. Yes, yes, he lived right there. And he was an excellent Bible student. If you ever had questions about the Bible, we always went to Oliver McKaylee and asked him because he could, he knew. Uh, and now the old, do you know, was he connected to the old Liberty Church, that whole thing in any way? Um, I don't know his affiliation with the church. I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know that. But he was a Bible But I know that, that we always... Scholar uh, of sorts. Yeah. And not only in that, but in other things. He was well respected by everybody for his education and and his honesty and and you know he, he was he was a great asset too and so they picked up and they wanted my grandmother wow. uh, because uh, Do you have any idea how old she was when this all happened uh no but she would just been in grade school okay so because the they six, um, six eight his six, wife seven, eight years old who knows something like that his wife, Sally, uh, had a condition that they called it dropsy, heart dropsy, where her legs were very swollen and she couldn't get around very well. Yeah. And they they took grandma when she was, as I said, early early grade school because she was such good help. And, um, you know, was, and so Oliver saw to it that she got her good education, the best that they had to offer there, the eight eight years and so forth and so then she taught school for a couple years before she married really? uh-huh, before she so, married Pappy before she married so my great okay hold on that was your grandmother so that would be my great grandmother was a school teacher for a little while Grandma well, Uni. how interesting uh-huh. I did not know that uh-huh. all right um, so do you have any more uh, stories either about that side, of your Abram side grandparents, or the other side grandparents that we ought to know about? I never spent time as a real young child with my other grandparents. So I really don't. Other than you had one year that you were there for a, a little while. That and, was high school. Yeah, that was. Uh-huh. Okay. And so really, I, I don't have that much knowledge. We used to go and visit them you know, and so forth, and uh, I knew them real well, right. but but I, I never lived with them or really knew them intimately like I did Grandma Uni. Now, as far as Native American or Indian blood, I think, Dad, you said your, your, not your Abram grandparents, but the other grandparents, your grandmother was also had maybe some Native American in her, or? That's Grandma Uni. Grandma Uni yeah. did. Because, see, I'm telling you, it was her father who was part in Right, right. And so I know she did. Yeah. But, see, I heard, and I don't know if it's right or not, that Mom's mother was, uh, her, one of her parents was a full-blooded Indian. Could very well be. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, All right. I, I don't know that. 
Yeah, yeah. through Grandma. Well, could be. Grandma Hendrick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so I think we've got the young years pretty well covered. So um, I think I, uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and hear... Um, Here's some information about how you worked as a family because you're you're spread out so much. And so you had, you know, every few years you had new siblings and all of that. And um, just hear about how did how did you interact with your parents in terms so it was you and then Wilma and then no, you then Helen, then Wilma, and then Dad. Um, were you were you a big part of raising your siblings? That's really where I'm going with this. Or, or how did how did that interact in your family in terms of because um, you were much older than most yes. of them? So yeah, I was I was pretty much in charge. In fact, uh, of Jerry mm-hmm. uh, down to him, and but then after that, I went out and was working on you my were own. On your own and, at yes, that point. yes, yes. But Jerry used to say he didn't worry about getting in trouble with mom because she couldn't catch him. <laughs> He said, but Virginia could, and she had worn my bottom. <laughs> that's, that's I remember so, that. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. So even though your brother and sister, and I've always seen you two as brothers and sisters, she was a little, she was almost a mom to you. Yes, right awful close. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah I'm yeah, closer I was, to her than I was my mom. Oh, how interesting. Well, and I always knew the two of you were real close. I remember that over the years that I always thought it was interesting knowing there was a big age gap, but you two were so close. But this makes a lot more sense now, and I realize that you were almost his mom. So, yeah, in a sense. So, okay. So, I want to get into, because your life story from high school onward gets really fascinating. Um, So, one of the things I wanted to hear you talk about is... How did this young lady who didn't have a lot of money and um, was trying to work your way through all of this stuff end up taking flight lessons? Because that's how you met Ted. Is that right? Mm-hmm. How did that? I, I, I think you had to be a little bit of a rebel or something because there couldn't have been very many women at your age taking flight lessons. No. So, so tell me a little bit about that. Well, I... Um... I, when, when I graduated from high school, mm-hmm. I went to Bloomington and got a job. And um, well, well, so in high school you were making, Salisbury. See, I graduated from Salisbury. Graduated from Salisbury, but somewhere in there when in you 44. were around sixteen, what year? Forty-four. So when you were around sixteen, you had a job at RCA, right? Making these nose cones. Yeah, that was that was the summer before I graduated. That was early on. And then you got a job where, once you got out of high school? Uh, I went to Bloomington and got a job at, um, the first job that I got was for um, a heating and cooling place in okay. the office. All right. Filing and that just, sort just of thing. helping around the, the, yeah. the bill, okay. Yeah. And uh, during that time, uh, I got a better job then with the Nuri Glass Company okay. that had moved there. And... Um, I lived with my friend that was always my friend when I was in Bloomington High School. Okay. Her mother had uh, some upstairs rooms, and she rented one to me and one to another girl. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. So, and, so you, but, at that point, once you graduated high school, you moved out on yeah, your own. Yeah. Had your own apartment of sorts with this friend. Okay. Yeah, because I had no transportation mm-hmm. from down home to a job. I didn't have a car or anything. So no did you way. walk to work? 
No, no, I, that's why I moved in town. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I walked. It was just a few blocks, oh, but I could walk. Okay. But I met this girl uh, who was, uh, I don't know how we met. Uh, I, I, don't, I just don't recall that. But anyway, she was at that time uh, in the Civil Air Patrol unit that they had there at Bloomington. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, she said, you need to get into this with me because she said, it's really, really interesting. And I think it's something you'd like to do. And she said, there's a little bit of work that has to be done a few hours at Indiana University in a navigation and meteorology class. We have to have finished that. But she said, now that you're working, you've got the money to do that. So, and she and I, she had a car. Mm-hmm. And she was married, but her husband was gone in the service. And so we sort of went every place together. And I had not met, uh, I didn't have a boyfriend at that time. And um, she, uh, one day she said, now we have to go to the airport and um, we have to take a certain kind of graph paper and you have to go up and you have to, on this paper, draw out the country roads and the number of the road that would go to this area and this because what it's for is to give back to the fire department and they in case there's a fire in a wooded area okay instead of running everywhere trying to get into it you have already drawn this out for them here's the shortcut you can do this road to okay. the okay and it was, she said, it's a 30-minute thing, and it'll cost you a certain amount of money. I don't remember. But anyway, I was working, and I had the money. So she took me out to the airport, and uh, it was after she got off work that day. And I got off work, and so we went out to the airport, and we said, here's what we want. We showed him this piece of paper, and Ted was the manager of the field at that time. He had gotten out of the service, okay. had come back to the airport, had a flying service, seven airplanes and was the manager of the field. And, and, and he, just for a side note for me, my wife's grandfather is Ted, was, I'm sorry, is Fred. Was Fred involved with that with Ted? Not, yes, but not yet. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. And um, he looked at it and he said, okay, I know what that is, sure. He said, well, I just, I'll be finishing with my last student here in just a few minutes if you want to wait. I'll take you up and do that. It's only, it'll take about 30 minutes. And so the girl who had brought me out, my friend, said, okay, I'll come back and get you in about 40, 30, 45 minutes, okay? And I said, sure. So when he finished with his student, he came over there, took this paper, and we went out to the plane, and he showed me how to get in. I have never gotten in an airplane. I didn't know anything about it. And we went up, flew around, and I made the little marks and got this all done. And when we got back to the, to the field, um, he said, is she going to pick you up and uh, you're right? And, and I said, yeah, she'll be back in just a few minutes. He said, well, if we had known I'm going in town, you could have ridden in with me because I'm finished. And, uh, I said, well, that's okay. And he said, can you call her and save <laughs> he her had a trip? On his mind, is what he <laughs> save her a trip out here. And I said, well, so anyway, I rode back in town with him and he took me to my room where I lived, uh-huh. you know, and that's how I met him. And of course, this airplane just thrilled me to death. Oh, I bet. Oh, you know, I just thought I, I couldn't forget that thing. It was just so, I even remember what smelled, you know, the uh-huh. fuel, flight fuel and all that, you know. Was and, it one of the Piper Cubs? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And from there, every time I got a little extra money, 
I went to the airport and flew 30 minutes. 30 minutes is all I could afford. So you could pay money. You didn't pilot it. You just rode with somebody. No, no, I was taking, I actually started taking lessons. That's what I thought. Okay. Yes. So I, I took a 30 minute lesson every chance I got, you know. And uh, so then that's how I met Ted. And then finally, then we, we started dating and, you know, started going places together. And then, of course, this is when the big thing came with my dad because Ted had been married before. Right, right. Okay. And my dad, you know, he said there's no, the Bible gives no, right, right, oh, right. no. Okay. So there was a big, big thing. And then as Ted and I realized that we would like to be married, but then I had to make the choice of, my dad said, you decide between us and Ted. He said, "It's either him or us. If if you mar- if you go ahead and marry him, we don't want anything to do with you. you. You're the black sheep of the family, and stay away." And so that was what a difficult situation. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I talked to a lot of people and and did a lot of studying and studied with some preachers and stuff and tried my best to make a decision because um, it was. Ted had so much to offer of what I needed at that time because I didn't have any place to live. I oh, didn't have a decent job. Yeah. I didn't have, you know, anything, right, only just right. just me. And uh, my folks didn't offer me any more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you know, uh, I won't be allowed to go back home. I, uh-huh. I, I, I'm... I'm really going to be the black sheep of the family. Oh, yeah, you know? very difficult situation. So do I give up all of this right. for this? Or, you know, so I had some really rough years. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. Well, looking back, I think you can be pretty happy with the decision you made. Well, so. I, I, I feel like, and, and I even went to the passage in the Bible where it says, you know, except it be for fornication uh-huh. and so forth. And, of course, Ted had been divorced for seven years, and they had uh, no, there was no question about it. Everybody uh, knew about knew why what his wife right. was doing, you know, while he was gone to work, uh, type thing. But uh, my dad said, "You know, Daddy," he said, "I don't care what it says. Uh, no kid of mine's going to do that, or I'm not going right, to say right, it's okay right, right. because my child did it." So that did he ever warm up to Ted? Uh, yeah, he, he did to a certain extent, I think, and yet he always kind of, I think he wanted to held, hold back and be meaner than <laughs> than he was, really. Uh, yeah. I, I think he kind of wanted to right. because he didn't want to give the impression that he had changed his mind. Yeah, uh, right. And sure, so sure. in order to stay with his first decision, he had to continue to be mean, you know, okay. type thing. So Ted, uh, so so for people listening here, uh, you know, I, I would describe your life as being one of those blessed people who got to be married to two amazing men in your life. I did, and uh, you know how how fortunate. Um, so tell us a little bit about. Um, I'm curious both the Ted and Fred connection, because they were close to each other, at least I think they were close. Oh, yeah. And um, so over the years, you guys had a hardware store, and somewhere along the line got out of the, the flight, the aviation stuff, so that happened in there. So tell me a little bit about that kind of life with Ted and all the things you guys did. Well, um, 
we had then, uh, shortly after we were married, we had some time when I have a chance to um, tell you this, this doesn't need to go on here, but this is just a little thing that I, I think is really interesting. Um, but um, we got a government program. The government at that time was offering the boys as a mustering out pay. They could get a, a BA degree at Indiana University or they could get a private pilot's license oh, paid for really? by the government. Okay. And we had that So that program. helped keep that flight business going because there was a government program well, to incentivize that. So oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really a, a, a good paying thing. And we needed a couple more airplanes and a couple more instructors because we we grew really really quick when we took that on and um i was doing the um i was doing the uh, office and billing the government in, in triplicate and all that kind of thing and so i i did my part in there and this was your early years of marriage to ted mm -hmm. before you had became a an lpn is that right oh yeah mm -hmm. long, Wait, long oh, before okay all right yeah and uh so that's when ted uh, called Fred and Fred said I'm going to be dismissed and be out here with within a few weeks or whatever and he said I, I've got a buddy Dean Crane that we've been real close through yeah, and name. he said yeah. okay so he said you know oh, how about if Dean and I come back and instruct for you we're both instructors uh, they were in Enid Oklahoma and uh, they came back and were there had we had three instructors then we had Ted and Fred and Dean. Yeah, we had two um, A and E mechanics. Okay. We had um, one was uh, there was two grades in A and E mechanic, but because we were flying for the government, every one hundred hours of flight time on each airplane, it had to be flown in for an airworthiness. Okay. Go over again. Okay, so that's why you okay. had the mechanics there. To yes, take but care our of mechanics, that. our mechanics were not government certified okay. yet, and so we had to go to Indianapolis. Okay. So we we flew the planes up there and left them for a couple of days, went up and picked them up and brought them back. So my job became two of us would go up in a, a plane apiece. And I would leave the plane that I was flying. That and then this. So at that guy point, you had your pilot's license, and you were yeah. also flying planes at that point. Yeah, I was flying by myself then. Oh. You see, and so, and so then. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. So then, um, um, after all, all of this took place, um, and we had a, it was a real good thing. But once the government, then it was finished. That okay. that was only to go for a certain length of time, and uh, then it really went down pretty quickly because there were not enough people in the Bloomington area that had that kind of money uh -huh. uh, to you know th yeah. that you would be right. that. If busy. you didn't have the government funding, that, that that's right. There wasn't enough. That's right. Demand. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. We kept the airport for a. a, a couple years maybe afterwards. And did you actually own the airport at that time? Not the airport. Ted was manager of the field. Okay. But the field was owned by the city. Okay. Because because it was relatively new, I think, wasn't it? Uh, the, the field had been there for a long time, but it wasn't much of a field. Okay. It, it just had a grass. It was just grass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just and was it grass when you guys were also doing business? Grass runways. Oh, yeah. So you didn't have... 
Uh, no, no surface. No surface uh, runway at all? No. Oh, wow. No. Okay. But during the time that Ted was there, we got a north-south runway built and, and surfaced blacktop. Okay. And I assume it's roughly where the runway is now. Um, yeah, it would be, I guess, the north-south part of it would be. Yeah. yeah. And um, we um, then uh, Ted said, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be looking into something else. And he said he liked Clarence's. At that time, his brother Clarence had uh, a hardware store in Brown County. And oh, he said, I'd yeah. love to have a hardware store. And so sure enough, there was a little hardware store came up okay. for sale in Ellisville. And that's the one we bought. So Clarence's hardware store, it wasn't in, in the city of Nashville, but it was... No. I have heard people... It's closer to Unionville, right? It's just kind of out in the country. I don't know exactly. Because I've heard people talk about that. That was quite the amazing hardware store. Oh, it was. He it had was. a little bit of everything. He did. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Furniture and everything. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 And so then you guys started the, the... Or took over the hardware store in Ellisville. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we were until... Ted retired. Okay. Oh, wow. That is so interesting. Um, one thing I I want to, I've got a couple more things I want to get to. So now the hardware store, when you were running it in Ellsville, you hired my dad at some point, right? He worked for you for a little while? Sure. Uh -huh. um, were any other family members involved? Of course, Randy would have been too young, probably. Mm -hmm. so. Nobody else in the family. Well, it was people that Ted knew, uh -huh. Uh -huh, but, but no, not family. So um, I had a discussion with Ted's brother Fred at one point because while they had the were doing the the aircraft um, stuff or or involved in the field, they at least once and maybe multiple times did air shows. Do you remember anything about the air shows? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was when Dean and and Ted or Fred were still there. Mm -hmm. And uh, they and he, the three of them, decided they were going to put on an air show, and they did. They okay. really did. So they had a little uh, seating area built along one side of the of the runway, okay. you know. Uh -huh. And you wouldn't believe people were parked everywhere. Oh, it, it, you know, they got excited about thing. that. Yeah. And they did this little thing. Uh, they did a lot of things, really, that were, you know, I mean, if, if you understood flying, you would see that it took expertise to do uh -huh. what they did. And uh, <clears throat> they, one of their little things was, uh, Ted got, um, I think it was Mary, his sister Mary was bigger than the rest of them, and he got one of Mary's dresses and a pair of Mary's shoes <laughs> and a little hat. This has Ted written all over it. Yeah. I, I can just yeah. see him doing this. And uh, so uh, when they were milling around uh, just before time for the show to start, well, he kind of went ambling up, you know, and asking questions and stuff of Fred. Fred was standing there by the plane and talking and showing people this and that. And uh, so... Uh, I, I could see Fred and he said, yeah, 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 yeah. And he showed him and opened the door and all that sort of thing, you know. And uh, Fred, somebody walked up and got Fred's attention and Ted crawled in the seat while Fred wasn't looking, just crawled, because he just got through showing him. He let that right. door, because those doors opened from the middle. They did this. Okay, all It right. wasn't this, you know. And they, they, they leaned down. Uh, in half. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. The top half went up and the bottom half okay. fell down. Okay, I got you. Like a clamshell kind uh, of thing. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, so um, all of a sudden, uh, 
Fred was going to show this guy, and he looked, and, and Ted's already sitting in it. And he said, no, 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 you know. And he started it up, but Fred had to start it. It had to be pulled, you know. It, right. it, it, but anyway, and everybody was saying, oh, oh, my goodness, you know, because the door was still hanging open, right, right. and Fred wasn't in. The crowd and, always hollered when Ted was climbing in. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, look, she's getting in there. <laughs> yeah, watch out, watch out, watch out. She's, you know. And so anyway, it just started rolling down, you know, and Fred... Were you at that air show? Oh, yeah. Oh, I figured you were. Okay. <laughs> well, Fred Fred jumped hold of this, grabbed the spar, kind of ran along beside and then jumped in, you know, in here. And so all the people were just clapping and cheering, you know, because at least Fred was in there, you know. And so they went around the field and I think they, he then he stopped and let Fred out, or let Fred out. Yeah. And, and he was supposed to get out, too. They were supposed to be done. So right. Uh, Fred yeah. gets out and Ted takes off. The Ted plane. Takes and off here the he plane. goes by himself. Oh, gosh. And then they're all just hollering again, you know. And so he goes down through here like this and kind of wobbles around, you know. And finally he gets it in the air, you know. And everybody's just saying, and Fred's motioning this and motioning, you know. <laughs> and they're <laughs> yelling. Well, he, he had one of these little cubs like this one right here. Just like that one right there. Uh -huh. Here it comes down through there right toward the crowd. And he banked it up. Just, he wasn't 20 feet off the ground. And everybody just jumping and hollering and carrying all of that. Is and then he come down another time and, and act like he and it, uh, ran on one wheel. Good little ways. Because Ted could do this. Ted could have flown a barn door. That yeah. guy, he, he really, he really good, he yeah. had the most perfect... Uh, depth perception and and a, a ability. He, he was a great instructor. He really, really well, was. I remember Fred telling me that during that air show, they did a thing where two planes were coming at one plane, and they did this loop-de-loop thing. They did. And when when Fred described it, I thought, boy, that's dangerous. And, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, how many times did you guys practice to learn how to do that? And Fred said, oh, you don't practice that. You just do it. And I said, you literally had never done it. He goes, no, we'd never done it before. We, the first time we did it was in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well that was... That was real. Oh, there was pictures in the paper and write-ups and talk about that. People really... <laughs> oh, that is just... <laughs> yeah. Just fabulous. Yeah. Um, well, great. Well, we are right at the end here. Um, so I want to... We're at 30 minutes, but I want to give you um, a little bit to tell us about your second marriage before we wrap up. Oh. Um, so you were lucky to have two great marriages. So tell us a little bit about Bill. Well, I was. Um, I, Ted had been gone for three years. Okay. And um, I went after Ted died. I went back out to the airport and I said, you know, I haven't flown for years, but I said I really, really would like to get back into flying again. But am I too old? And he said, no, you drive your car, don't you? And I said, yeah. He said, you can get back into it. Come on out here. We'll, I'll set you up with an instructor, you know, mm -hmm. which he did. And, of course, there again, uh, I was still working. And this time I had already gotten my LPN and I was working for a doctor. And uh, one evening I came in and there was a message on my phone from Rusty Fischel. Mm -hmm. And Rusty said... Um, I've got, I, I, I want to take you out to dinner. He said, a friend of mine is up from Dallas, Texas, and I want you to meet him. He said, he's a real, he's a great guy. And so he made arrangements that we'd go to Scholars Inn for dinner, okay. which we did. And, uh, that's when I met Bill. And I, you know, I never heard of him and I have no idea who Bill McGinnis was. 
and uh, there was there were several of us at the table, like maybe four here and four here of other people that he had invited and stuff. And you know, Bill was just himself like this, just sitting there all reared back, laughing and looking around. And you know, he 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 didn't have an axe to grind with anybody. He didn't care. Mm -hmm. You take it or leave it. That's what you see is what you get with yeah. Bill. And uh, so we talked, and and uh, Rusty, Rusty's wife and I ordered a strawberry shortcake, and the waiter said that's that comes in a crock this big. I think you girls, I'll I'll put it in half back there in the kitchen. And uh, we said, better, yeah, that's a good idea. He did, brought it in a still. I looked at it and said, was that still too much? And Bill was sitting across the table, and he said, well, eat what you want, and then give me the rest. I will. That looks pretty good. And I thought, eat after somebody you've never seen before, you know. <laughs> but And so sure enough, I had a bunch left, and I just kind of, and he grabbed it, you know, and boy, he was just going after it, eating it. You know, I thought, you know, kind of strange. Anyway, um, we left, and I, I said, Rusty called me back. What do you think? You know, I said, well, he seemed nice. He was, you know, I said he was just a generic man. I, I, I didn't see anything unusual about him, you know. So anyway, a few nights went by, and one evening I came in from work, and there was a, a message on my phone, and he said, this is Bill McGinnis. And he said, you won't remember me, but we had dinner at the sky. And then he went on, you know, and um, he said, uh, I'll call you back later. And so the girls laughed when I told my girls about it. They said, that's one of those don't call us, we'll call you mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Uh, like he was afraid you'd call him and bother him, you know. And I said, I'm not going to bother him. I don't care. He lives in Texas and I live in Indiana, right. so forget it. <laughs> but it wasn't very long until Rusty called me and he said, hey, this Bill McGinnis wants to come to Indiana. He said he'd like to, he'd like to talk to you again. He, he thought you were really interesting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we started. And he would come to Rusty's house. And uh, we'd pick him up at the airport. He stayed with Rusty, and Rusty let him uh -huh. drive his car and come to see me. So that's, that's how I met Bill. <laughs> and we met in, um, I met him in July and married him in October. Okay, okay, yeah. so you didn't date very long. So. No, well, yeah. um, I, I, I'd been married, uh, Ted and I'd been married 52 years. And Bill and Shirley, she had died, mm -hmm. and they'd been married 55 years. Oh, wow. And we realized that we both knew what it took to be married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we knew what we were looking for. We understood that, yeah. And we would be real quick to spot something that we don't want to live the rest of our life with, you know, yeah. type thing. Absolutely. It's not like a young marriage where all you see is the beauty, <laughs> you know. Right. And so um, Bill said, okay, we'll... we'll I tell you what we'll do, and he had um, uh, businesses and, and so forth, and his home and everything in Dallas, and he said, uh, I, I said, I, I, I'm, I've got to go to Dallas and see your friends and, and, and your, you know, mm -hmm. your lifestyle. I'm, I, 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 just looking at you, I don't get enough. <laughs> and so, no Rusty, more about him, yeah. I've got to know more about him. And Rusty said, um, my my mother-in-law lives there, and she uh, has a condo. She lives alone, and she wants you to come and spend a few days with her, and you'll date Bill while you're there because she lives pretty yeah. close to Bill. And I did that, and met all his friends, and and you know the places, and saw his house, and and got to know him, you know. And there again, I I didn't see anything that looked like I couldn't live with it, you know. Yeah. And he said, okay, um, he said we'll we'll start out by living 
We'll, we'll close your condo here. Just leave the car, the furniture, everything right in it. And we'll go down to Dallas and we'll look at my place. And then we'll decide what we want to do. Are we going to live in Indiana or are we going to live in Texas? And so that's how we decided. And I said, well, with your businesses and everything, I think that we do better. I can come to Texas better than you can come right. to Indiana. And you lived in Texas for a while. 15 right? years. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. I was there for 15 um, years. And then Bill's final years, you were back up here, weren't you? And Bill realized that he was terminally ill. Mm-hmm. And he said he had mesothelioma. He was on, he was an, on board a ship for years in the service. Mm. And the doctor said, that's exactly, I've seen so much of this. He said, that's, that's what, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, Bill said, uh, I, I will not leave you. Uh, you don't have any family. And I'm not going to leave you in Dallas, Texas by yourself. It's no place for you to be. <laughs> uh, he said, you what, need to be What back. a nice guy. <laughs> and uh, I said, Bill, have, you've never spent a winter in Indiana. And he said, I don't care. It's fine. I'll, I'll. And he did. Yeah, he, and he could tolerate it. He thought yeah. my girls, my family was great. And they did him too. So Right. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Well, Virginia, thank you. Thank you. This has been just quite the treat. Um, and I appreciate your time. And... Uh, be thinking about stories. If you come up with some some more stories that you think you'd like to share, we'll come back over and we'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. 